Welcome everyone to Seafood Ninja Sauce. We really hope that you had a fantastic holiday and that you're starting the year all excited and with the greatest positive vibes. 2021, we hope it's going to be much, much better than 2020. So we want to start our year with this interview that we did last year as we were wrapping up for the holidays and we hope that you enjoy it. Thank you for joining us today. So welcome to our podcast slash YouTube um, interview. We're so excited to have Alexander Stabenow, right? Yeah, you got it. Thank you. <laughs> and he is the, the co-founder of Setna Technologies. And I am so excited that he's here to talk to Miss Luna about her wonderful questions. And before we get to her questions, I would like to know a little bit more about Sedna Technologies. What are you guys working on? And find out a little bit more information about this wonderful work that you're doing. Yeah, sure. Thanks a lot for the wonderful introduction. And uh, I just want to start off by thanking you for having me on here. Um, it's, uh, it's a privilege to be on here. And I know you guys have a busy schedule. So thanks for taking the time. Um, a little bit about Sedna Technologies. Uh, we're a fisheries uh, and aquaculture company based in uh, Nova Scotia, Canada. So for the folks in the U.S., that's kind of just above Maine. Um, we have a lot of live lobster fisheries, so we do a lot of work in that industry, um, as well as aquaculture, so salmon, trout, and, and other things. Um, what we kind of focus on in terms of our technology and, and our uh, software applications for the industry is we focus on uh, traceability and condition monitoring. So that what that means is that we help companies make sure that uh, their fish and products are being taken care of from the time they're caught in the ocean um, all the way through the supply chain. Um, so we do everything from helping businesses manage their inventory levels. So how much fish they have, where that fish is going. Um, and we use sensors to make sure that those fish are happy all the way through. Wow, that sounds fantastic. And you know, we. We know traceability is so important because we want to make sure that we are aware where our seafood's coming from. So this work is really great to kind of help facilitate that information. And you know, some of the fisheries that that he's working with and some of the products are like some of your favorite, right? Yeah. Salmon's one of them. Yeah, and shrimp, mussels too. That's great. So should we um, have some questions like you have here on? On the first one, what is a bivalve? Very important. Okay, what is a bivalve? Uh, uh, bivalve. So I actually had to do some research on this one. Um, <laughs> but uh, what I found is that a bivalve is like a mollusk. So something that's like a filter feeder, kind of like, a, do you know what a scallop is, Luna? Scallop. Like a shellfish? Yeah, scallop, sorry. Yeah, not, now that you said something about shellfish, I actually think I have a picture of it in my mind. Yeah, we oh, cool. have scallops at home. So I'm sure you oh, see that, nice. you know, yeah. George put some, he cooks some with like the bacon around it and we eat it with pasta. So you've definitely seen scallops at the house. Yeah. 
Yeah, so that's definitely uh, would be considered a biovalve. And they're actually really interesting because they can help. Um, not only are they delicious to eat, but they can also help make a very healthy ocean. Um, so they can, you know, help remove CO2, CO2 and, and help oxygenate the ocean. Um, and they, um, yeah, they're, they can be farmed as well. Um, in addition to be kind of naturally occurring. So um, they're both, har har in terms of fisheries, they're both harvested um, as wild caught fishery, but also can be, can be farmed. So in one of the questions that you had about what do biovolves do, you know, because they help filtrate the oceans and they help, like you mentioned, re remove CO2, which is carbon monoxide and oxygenate the ocean. So very so fun, right? So you just answered a question. <laughs> Two yeah. questions, actually. Two but, questions in one. Wow. What about your first question? question? She's like checking them off her list <laughs> as we speak. Very organized um, interview here. So how about the first one, which is important? Why, why is it important to check water quality? Ah, uh, yes. So water quality is something that we work um, quite a lot in. Um, we actually just launched a new product, um, which is a small water quality ball. So you can just throw it in anywhere in the water and it'll get the water quality back. Um, so water quality is important to monitor because it's just like humans, just like any kind of animal, it's important that the environment that they're living in is healthy and they have a lot of space and oxygen. So monitoring water quality for oxygen and CO2 and other things, make sure that everything that's living in it is, is healthy and, and thriving. So when we eat the seafood that is harvested in these waters, it's not contaminated. So it doesn't yeah. make us sick too. So that's another reason why it's very important to have water quality. <laughs> you have to type them. Yeah, I have to. Okay. So I don't miss accidentally answer the same or ask the same question twice. Oh, I understand. So it's very thorough. Okay, great. How about your fourth question? We're grilling you today. What is the yeah. definition of acidification? Oh, you said it right. Acidification. Yay. Acidification. Yeah. So that's uh, that's a really good question. <laughs> so. Uh, we're putting you Acid on the spot. <laughs> yeah, no, acidification means that um, the ocean is becoming, in terms of the ocean, the ocean is becoming more acidic. So it means that there's more carbon um, in the ocean, higher pH levels. So what this means is that um, the the fish have a more difficult time of living, same with coral, plants, seaweed, um, and they either have to move to cool, normally cooler waters, have less acid, acidification. Um, so you see a lot of kind of change in the environment. Um, for example, in Australia, you see the coral reefs that are starting to disappear and, um, Australia and the waters there. And then you also see it, um, issues on the west coast of Canada, actually the Dungeness crabs, their shells are starting to deteriorate because of acid, acidification in the ocean. 
do you guys have any any products um, that that help measure ocean acidification or yeah so technology? Yeah, so the same, our, our sensor globe product, um, it measures pH, oxygen, um, as well as we're going to have CO2 on the platform in the new year. Um, so it's, it's used in a variety of ways. Um, for example, my partner, business partner, my Seamus, apologies. is a... I couldn't hear what you said. Sorry, that was Siri. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, she gets jealous if I talk too long to other people, so she just chimed in, I guess. <laughs> um, Technology gets crazy. Yeah, um, yeah so we actually monitor um, kind of fishing grounds where we're catching lobster and crab uh, to see what the water quality is on the bottom, like the CO2 and um, um, oxygen. Um, and then we also use it in ocean pens for um, fish farming and other things. So we get a kind of wide spectrum of, of uh, water quality metrics um, throughout different areas of the ocean. Well, that's really interesting. Ella, do you have any questions about ocean acidification in addition to? Are positive ecological impacts good? Oh. I uh, yeah, I would say positive ecological impacts are good. <laughs> I know. I could, I could tell that because positive. Keyword positive. Uh, true, true. So um, you clearly know a lot about ocean farming. Um, would you like to share a little bit more about the work that you guys do on, on ocean farming specifically? Yeah, sure. So um, we actually work a lot with uh, aquaculture companies, like I said, so companies are because our our uh, water quality sensor can actually float and it's small enough to be transferred along with the fish. When salmon and trout and other species are grown out, they're transferred a lot, so they might start on land in like a uh, kind of like a giant swimming pool, giant circular swimming pool, like you see in a lot of people's backyards. Um, and then they get transferred out to bigger and bigger tanks through trucks, through boats, and then eventually to um, the ocean and big nets. Um, so our uh, sensor can actually follow the fish along through that entire process. Um, so that's where we work quite a bit. And then also companies that are farming scallops, um, oysters, and other things, um, they also use our sensors to monitor the growing conditions as well because like you said earlier luna there's things like um, ocean acidific acidification going on and that can happen quite quickly in some cases um, so knowing when the water quality metrics change and how to um, better manage the farms with with those uh, insights from the sensors is a, is a lot of work that we do Wow, that's, um, I mean, that's really sounds complicated <laughs> and fascinating at the same time. As consumers, um, do you know if, if this sort of information gets translated and like sort of consumer facing? You know, like I know it's important for internal traceability and for, you know, measurements and, and having metrics, but if we're like shopping for these specific products, are there any differentiations or brands that you work with? showing the work that they're doing, you know, through the tool? Yep. Yeah. So there, there is some of the larger salmon companies definitely do share um, 
kind of, I guess, general sustainability. They might not share the specific quality metrics that they're kept in, but they do like to, and you're starting to see it more and more common, I'm sure, as you know, working in sustainability and traceability, that it's becoming more and more common to share these things. So I think you're going to see over the next few years that we're going to go from, you know, general certifications where they're audited maybe once every couple of years or something by someone with a checking off the list where it's actually going to be a technology enabled certification where it's actually going to be, you know, sensors and other things auditing these supply chains and they're going to have to share this information directly uh, with the end consumer. So that's, that's where I kind of see it going if that makes makes sense. Well, that's, that's actually a great space. And thanks to the work that you guys are doing, you will be part of that solution, I guess, and, and providing more tools for industry to, to use and add into the transparency and traceability of their products. So this is really great. Yeah. Um, Eva, would you like to ask another question? Yes. Do you know any kelp facts? Uh, kelp facts. So I, I love seaweed and I love kelp. It's one of my uh, kind of favorite um, industries to research and look into. Um, I think it's, uh, it's just a fantastic product. It, it helps fight against ocean acidification um, and many other things. Um, so yeah, that's, that's one fact for sure. It, it helps with uh, that. Um, another fact is that it can help protect shorelines. So kelp forests um, with all the waves um, and weather that is affecting the coastlines with climate change, um, planting large kelp forests and other seaweed can help with that. Um, it's really healthy. So it's used in a lot of, um, I guess, nutraceuticals is the word. So like vitamins and, and supplements. Do you take your vitamins every day, Luna? Yeah. You do? Okay. That's good. Well, maybe, awesome. maybe you'll get, maybe you'll get some kelp vitamins here soon. It'd have to be like gummy bears or something. <laughs> yeah. for them to have it. Kelp gummies. But yeah, in, in general, it's very, you know, very healthy and you can even, um, uh, I'm not sure about kelp specifically, but various seaweeds, you can actually, they're starting to make fuel out of it. Um, so instead of fossil fuels, they're, they're making fuel out of, out of seaweed. Yeah. I didn't know that they were doing that. I know that, um, I mean, I haven't used kelp like the, specifically, but um, I've used a, gosh, the North Atlantic species of seaweed to make seaweed pasta, which you have tried, Miss Eva. Oh, really? I have tried seaweed pasta. Which was actually very, very surprisingly good. So I, you know, she got her, her rich nutrients out of the pasta. So that's always nice. Yeah, um, man, this is such an interesting conversation. Um, do you guys work with, with kelp farms as well? Or is that like in the horizon? Yeah, so not yet. I mean, we're we're a pretty young company. We're only three years old, and we've only had products in market for two years. Um, but that's definitely a space I see us, you know, working in in the in the near future, um, especially as more and more positive information gets out on the benefits of it. Um, and I think it's going to be, you know, a, a pretty pretty common and natural thing for for governments and communities to start investing in, in seaweed production. Um, great. <laughs> well, see, you're not as shy today, so that's good. Yeah. You're getting used to this. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so my next question is, how many sustainable fish can you make? 
Gee, sustainable fish. That's a good question. Um, I would say for wild caught fisheries, it would be like halibut. There's some salmon, um, some tuna. It's difficult because it's, it's also depends on where you are in the world. Um, cause some, some countries manage their fisheries a lot better because they know that there's only so many fish in the sea and we can't fish them all at once. Um, and then you have people farming certain species. So salmon is really sustainable because we can farm a lot of it and we don't need to harvest as much of it where you see, have you eaten mackerel or herring or any of those types? Not yet. Uh, but I always eat salmon in my boss. Yeah, I love, it's I love very salmon. delicious. I'm with you on that one, Luna. I'm a big salmon fan over here. Um, but yeah, so then, then there's other species like mackerel and herring where they're actually starting to regulate it more and more in, in North America because they're finding that the stocks are declining, so. But halibut, salmon, trout, those are all farmed, so they're, they're very sustainable. Excellent. Yes, part of um, this sort of journey that we're on is trying to get her to try other fish species, and that way that she can share her experience with others and hopefully getting more kids to eat more seafood. So yeah, I think that's, that's on the list of things to eat. <laughs> Last time she had was cod. Um, she wasn't a fan, you know, I mean, it was okay, but things that acquired taste in a way. Yeah. yeah, definitely. Well, I think fish is like, I didn't like, to be honest, I didn't like fish too much growing up, but now that I'm older, I, it's all I eat. Um, I think my girlfriend gets a bit sick of it because I make it and eat it so much, but I'd eat it every meal if I could. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. It's good for you. And as long as it's sustainable, it's good for the planet. So that's always great. So I think we have one more hard question. Oh boy. What does genetic mixing mean? Ooh, genetic mixing. Wow, that's a that's a good question. Okay, how can I explain this? So you know when you know when um are you a dog fan, a dog owner, Luna? Yeah. Yeah. So two you dogs. know you have two dogs. Okay. So do you know what kind of dogs those are? Um, one is a Maltese and the other one's a mutt, Maltese mutt. Okay, so a mutt is kind of like an example of genetic mixing. Those are two types of dogs, so two separate types of dogs, and they made a new dog. The idea is that when you mix the genetics, that that species gets stronger. So in terms of aquaculture, what happens is um, they take from the brood stock, which is where they actually take eggs and genetics from um, wild fish. And they kind of do a lot of testing and research to see which ones are the strongest. And then they take those um, same eggs and uh, start farming them. So that's what they do for genetic mixing in the seafood industry anyways. <laughs> Sounds your question. I yeah. think I got my answer. Okay, great. Well, this has been really good. She has some difficult, well, not difficult questions, but some interesting questions that she did um, find on her research. Um, is there anything else you would like to share about the work that you do, about, you know, 
maybe something you want kids to know that's important, maybe your favorite fish or fish dish? Yeah, I mean, I'd say the main thing is, is I can see that maybe kids are, aren't growing up around the ocean or they're not allowed to go in the ocean or play around the ocean. So don't be afraid of the ocean, go explore, have fun. It's, it's uh, the reason why I like working in the ocean industry. And the best part about it is that it's, it's a growing industry. So if you start young and learn about it young, there's going to be lots of opportunity for you when you're older. Great. That's excellent advice because Ms. Luna here wants to be a marine biologist. Oh, very cool. I'm hoping that this exercise of doing interviews and podcasts and will, you know, help her in that journey. So we'll see. Awesome. Do you have any questions for, for Luna or for me or? No, Luna, did you, did you like all my answers? Did I answer them to your liking? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Good. Good. Well, thank you for putting them together and doing your research and having me on your podcast. It's uh, it's been uh, great and, and informing for me as well. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for, for participating and taking the time. I know you guys are very busy and with the holidays, I bet you're also even more busy. So thank you. This has been very enlightening and I'm sure we have learned a lot today. So I appreciate it. Okay. Awesome. Thanks a lot. Bye. Thank you for joining us today. This year, 2021, it's going to be full of more learning about seafood and our oceans and interviews. So thanks for joining us in this amazing journey as we race the following generation of seafoodies. Take care.